Welcome to the Smoke Pit. What up, though? So we are recording from our brand new studio. Uh, we are going to post a bunch of the interviews that we still have left over. So if we haven't got to yet, we will. Uh, but we're recording this bumper in the new studio, and we'll start doing video for season five, finally. Wah, 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 wah. Wah, 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 wah. Yes, so uh, we'll post a picture of it, uh, what it looks like. It looks pretty dope. Um, really excited about this. Uh, we will get the rest of season four punched out. We got a new website coming out this week. We're uh, doing news. We figured that uh, we keep begging the mainstream media to cover certain stories. You know, like we'll pitch things. We'll try to get the word out there. And they just like constantly tell us to get fucked. Uh, so Pop Smoke Media is starting its own news website. Yeah, we're tired of waiting for other people to give a shit about things that matter. So we're going to just give a shit ourselves. Exactly. And you know what I give a shit about, Alexander? I'm guessing it's going to have something to do with thoughts. Uh, well, I mean, if uh, if you see a thought when you look in the mirror, then yes. Because I was going to say what I care about is how good you look in silkies. Well, that's an unusual segue. But if you want to see that, October 16th is the place to be. <laughs> What's happening October 16th? There's a there's a Tough mutter in D.C. And it's yeah. kind of like all my coworkers decided we we're going to do it. I'm doing it out of spite to make them all look like a bunch of old pieces pieces of shit. You're doing a tough mutter, uh, mutter ironically? Buddy, you've known me for, what, 16 years now? Yeah. That's exactly what I would do. So I'm going to get ripped, which I'm already about two-thirds of the way there. And yeah. I'm going to go smoke this thing in the tiniest pair of silkies I can find and one of my, uh, one of my uniform shirts. Oh, fantastic. I miss a certain aspect of deployment. Is that the jerking off behind a curtain thing? Because oh, we can just put a curtain in the basement and you give you a mop. <laughs> no. Uh, what I do miss is the fact that uh, the only time that you were ever really required to wear pants is uh, when you left the wire. You know, other than that, you could just be kind of like walking around, rifle slung, silkies and flip flops. That's a fair point. We had a whole we had a whole ass thing where our battalion gunner showed up and he was like, I don't know why you guys bothered trying to get your pants on during a firefight. He goes, put on a helmet and a, and, a, and a vest, and I don't give a shit what you're wearing. This was taken by my squad as tacit approval to just be shirtless all the time. It was a lawful order from a superior. I mean, yeah. yeah. I was like, all right, well, as long as you're wearing your PPE, then I guess. <laughs> Did you guys have the, uh, the 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 Kevlar diapers? Not like the, the burn underwear, but like the actual Kevlar diapers? Yeah. The, yeah. the, the things that like the brown uncomfortable sometimes they didn't have enough so you got the army uh acu versions yeah the multi-cam yeah. uh so yeah uh if that's the case you don't even really need silkies you could just wear those you know and you like have like the little dimples above your butt showing <laughs> it's like low-rise panties normally i'd be about it but i think my junk deserves better than just be rubbed up against kevlar yeah that's why the the burn boxers that were made out of like the flame resistant melt resistant nylon so luxurious like, you could not rub your junk against a finer material than that, you know? Have you seen the thing running around uh, TikTok these days where it's like a, it's, a, I don't know the actual name of it, but it's like this patch and it's got a heart shape on one side and a triangle on the other and there's like a connective uh, piece of material and it's supposed to be for women to wear so that their panty lines aren't so obvious? Hmm. I have not. I, I think what parts of TikTok are you on, good sir, that that's what you're coming across? I'll tell you, for the most part, every single time I see one of those, it's a stitch where someone comes in and goes, yeah, that's fine if you got a thigh gap and you're 110 pounds, but uh, that's going to need medical intervention if I need it to, to like, get it out. <laughs> so and you're I, on thick talk then. I mean, apparently this is the for you page. So it's like yeah. whatever happens to show up. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, based on your custom and your feed, and the, and the algorithm yeah. likes to show me pictures of puppies and uh, and thick thick women. women. Yeah, which honestly, there's not like you could maybe add like three more things to that list, and you would have like your pentagon of like serotonin. You know what I mean? What are the other three things you would add to that list? Um, fail videos like that one I showed you <laughs> with the truck, where the guy. The guy tries to uh, ride the line in the back of the truck, and then I'm slamming his head into it. That was pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, cooking uh, stuff. Ooh, yeah. Like every once in a while, somebody will show me something dope on there, and I'll try it out. And yeah, then, I've, uh, I've made a few recipes that you've uh, that you've shown me from TikTok recently. We did the, uh, you know how they have like the Mexican street corn. Well, we did yeah. like a popcorn version of that last night. Did you watch that video? No, I just you told me about it, and I just looked up a recipe. Okay, watch the video because yeah. it was like a cartoon. And it looks like you're watching like a regular like nowadays kind of cartoon. Yeah. And then just all of a sudden out of nowhere, this dude's like, hey, have you ever tried Mexican popcorn? And then like goes into a description of how it works with like a little animation of like all the mixings and stuff. Was there like like a Pitbull like soundtrack on it? No, it was like that would have been dope. I think that would have been cool. I mean, either that yeah. or La Cucaracha, which is the only. Oh, come on. Low hanging fruit. Uh, yeah. Low hanging fruit. Exactly. It was a ghost telling a skinhead <laughs> how to make Mexican popcorn like. What? <laughs> yes, you. I showed you. I sent you the video. You were supposed to watch it. I just said I didn't. I know, but I mean, you look at the thumbnail and hit ignore or something. Shit. Yeah, and then after that, there was like air fried pasta chips with like a Greek sauce and veggies and stuff. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. I think we need to use bigger pasta next time. Yeah, I, I agree. And so, what would your fifth thing be? I don't know. Miscellaneous creative stuff. I yeah. guess I like. I like. I like restorations, and I like anytime they're doing something creative that I actually might be able to use for something. Yeah, like we tried this thing at work where we were trying to use a um, like a garden hose. To oh, now were you now? Don't be gross. <laughs> so I mean, be don't gro- be gross. That's like if if the show was, wasn't be called the smoke pit, it would be called Dan. Don't be gross. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So <laughs> we tried to use the uh, we tried to attach a a garden hose to our fog machine. And then drill holes in the garden hose every so many inches ah. so that it would spread load the fog. Yeah, we spread load a girl. Right? Because we we're trying to f- simulate thermal layering, which is really hard to do. It's when smoke is at different layers. Yeah, right? yeah, because like different heat, consistency. Right. So we're trying to simulate that. And we couldn't, yeah. it, was a, it was a bust. The thing just like craptastic. I'll layer your thermals. And don't threaten me with a good time. <laughs> hey, oh. So, but I saw this one the other day and it was like, hey, you trying to do smoke for your backyard kids party or whatever? Here's how you do the thing. And they use a corrugated plastic tube and a garbage can that they had filled with like bags of ice. And they ran the smoke through the garbage can with the ice in it. Yeah. And then it went out through a tube that they connected to the side. And that spread load the smoke perfectly. So huh. I, sh- I sent the, the, I copied the video. I sent it to the guys and I said, hey, I think I may have figured out how to do that thing off of TikTok. And I got like 16 messages that said, uh, collectively, don't tell Dave. And Dave is, <laughs> Dave, Dave is our guy, our good good idea guy who comes up with stuff like that. And yeah. like, he was the one who originated the idea. And they're like, don't tell Dave or I will fucking, you, we'll find you in the parking lot. Soap party. <laughs> Blanket party. <laughs> okay. So I, I know um, you also like things that are like rest, like restorations and like little oh, like restorations are crafty dope. things. Yeah. Because you've redone like the the pantry and the refrigerator and freezer like four times with various different storage ideas. Like, hey, at some point that's going to be the perfect deal. At right? some point, <laughs> hey, it, everything's tinkering. You got to yeah. keep keep. It's like recipes, right? You got to keep messing with the formula until you get it perfect. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I can make buttercream frosting with fresh fruit in it 
from scratch now. Oh, don't do it, Dan. Don't do it. Okay, so mine. <laughs> let's see. With I'll, fresh fruit, Dan. Uh, <laughs> oh, you dirty fuck. It's so fresh. So I would say my third one would be like feats of talent. So if somebody can like shoot an arrow through like a ring that's like swinging on like uh, a kite string or if someone can like, you know, backflip off of someone and like stick the landing or, you know, they can like make a half court shot, you know, just like a feat of skill. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like something that you think that probably took them like 50 takes to get, but you'd like to tell yourself that you could do it on the first try. Well, I got that one video of the guy. He's like the, the top pistol shooter on the planet. Yeah. And he shoots like a uh, an eight shot revolver in like 1.6 seconds with a reload yeah or some stupid thing like that it's so fast you're, he's done before your brain's registered what he's even doing he shoots you in both nipples before you could even fart yeah dude's like 60 something years old and he's like i've dedicated my life to being the best at this <laughs> and so now he just looks like some guy you'd be in who'd be in the way at walmart yeah until he smokes like 18 people oh man Wow. <laughs> so um, I don't mean he'd be shooting random random civilians at Walmart. I'm saying like yeah. you know, if if Hans Gruber showed up with a bunch of German terrorists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Die Hard would have went a lot different if that been, was the case. That'd have been faster and a lot less climbing around in the vents. Yeah. Okay. So I get that. Uh so I'd say my number four would probably have to be uh like did you know kind of like obscure history or trivia, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the idea that like I saw this one where it was Brendan Fraser uh, from The Mummy and he was doing an interview with the guy who played um, I I don't I don't want to butcher this Egyptian name but he was the antagonist and so this is supposed to be the scene where like the like the the goddess came out and she was supposed to be in like gold body paint like looking just all kinds of like you know uh, Cleopatra delicious you know with like pasties over her nipples and like body jewelry and just like. Just like the symbol of sex back in the day, right? And so this is like a professional actor, right? Like he is in the fucking zen and he's ready for this scene. He's ready for his co-star, the actress, to come out and like deliver the lines and have the scene. And he looks up and it's Brendan Fraser in the outfit. And he comes out and starts doing the scene. (laughs) And nobody said anything. And he was just like, what the fuck? I think Brendan Fraser doesn't get enough credit for that kind of... yeah. And so Brendan Fraser's sitting there in the interview, and he just has this big Cheshire fucking grin splitting his face. as you know it was true. So, like, things like that. I think that, like, that's a little serotonin wing right there. I like that. Like, the one they did with, um, uh, what was it? It was Jennifer Jennifer Lawrence and um, Chris Pratt. And they're doing, like, they're trying to insult each other. And so she says, she goes, I had to take Pepto-Biz, before our sex scene, I had to take Pepto-Bismol. <laughs> and then he goes, oh yeah, well during our sex scene, I could feel your dick rubbing on me. <laughs> and, like, she just gives up. She's like, all right, that was good. You win. Yeah, like uh, Loki is pretty awesome. If you haven't uh, watched it, I, I would highly recommend uh, watching it and then sending me and AJ all the Loki-related memes. There is a Florida Loki. Yeah, <laughs> alligator. Uh, but... Uh, to reference that, there was a, a thing I saw on TikTok where they're like, Owen Wilson, you're a character in Loki. Did you know that Tom Hiddleston, your co-star, did an impression of you at like a comedy show like way back in the day? And he's like, no, I didn't. And so they made Owen Wilson react to his co-star doing an impression of him from like years ago. <laughs> and so it's like that obscure thing. Like, did you know that at one point he impersonated his co-star? And so I'd say that's number four, you know, like the little bits of trivia. Like, did you know... 
um, like the the episode we did with Justin Egan, where they're like, uh, we found out that the founding fathers drank like nearly twenty grand worth of booze right after winning the war and just smashing pots all over the place, just being <laughs> another rowdy. smash. Oh, that was the best. And then I'd say probably number five. Can I guess? Yeah, go ahead. Feet picks. Mm. When you said feats of, I thought you were going to just say feats of celebrities, but then you <laughs> went with feats of strength or skill, and I was yeah. like, yeah, he's saving the best for last. All right. And then I would probably say, uh, yeah, I guess like sports would qualify under that, you know, because if you're like dunking over someone or like doing like an awesome skateboarding trick or like parkour, that's like a feat of skill, you know. Uh, so I'd probably say like the the fifth one would, yeah, that's tough. I'd probably say like cool travel, you know, like, hey, like you need to check out this like obscure place or, hey, we got this really great drone footage of this well-known place, you know. Like, this is what it looks like from the top of the pyramids, or this is what Bora Bora looks like. And I'm just like, fuck, I want to go there, you know? See, I like some of those. Like, I, I love the ones that are that are that that give you, like, a, especially if it's something local or if it's something in an area you've been to before, but you missed that one thing. So, A, it gives you an excuse to go back. Yeah. And B, it's like a cool thing you can put on the list of shit you want to go do. The The thing that, that does piss me off is when they do the ones where it's, like, the influencer version. Yeah. Where, like, some... 20 early 20 something white girls out in the middle of some uh like what do you call it like a waterfall at, at a state park yeah and she's there by herself and like the waterfall and it's beautiful and then you get there and you're like oh i want to see a waterfall and there's like like people of walmart.com just hanging out <laughs> and there's so many of them it takes a half an hour just to get to the waterfall and it's got 16 people in it don't lie you were hoping to see the thought in the waterfall i really don't because yeah. like like if the outside it's okay it's like a book with a nice dust jacket, right? Okay. What they say, don't judge a book by its cover. That's the, the alternate is true. You can have a book that has a very nice dust jacket. Somebody just did a really good job on the artwork. And then you open the book and it's just mind numbing, right? I can't do like the dumb influencer thing. I saw this video of this uh, gal at like an aquarium. And I think they were probably doing some like slow motion video where they're going to like, you know, put music over it and angles and filters. But seeing it recorded from, like, a second point of view in real time just made it look really dumb. And then, like, I'm not sure if it was the same person, but the the next scene was, like, uh, a guy who looks like he's got grass stains on his new balances. <laughs> you know, just finished mowing the lawn so he could have friends over for the barbecue. He's just kind of, like, impersonating her hilariously, just, like, all spacey. And it was just, like, influencers be like, I thought that was pretty funny, but... Yeah, the, the travel uh, the travel aspect of TikTok. Because, no, you're absolutely right. Sometimes you get somewhere because, like, uh, I took Sam to uh, Montana. And, you know, we thought it was going to be just like in TikTok. But we got there, and I think it was, like, May. And it was still, like, blizzarding. <laughs> like, I could barely see anything. We're on the highway, and it's just, like. That is the best. Like, 40, 50 feet of visibility. And I'm like, this is nothing like the TikToks. I'm 100% about that. Like, uh, thanks to global warming, I probably won't get a lot of that until I retire out to the middle of nowhere. But yeah, yeah. 30, 30 to 40 feet of visibility, like snow all over everything, especially once Amazon gets those uh, air carrier drones in the sky that just have yeah. like the, the mobile warehouse. So I don't have to go anywhere to order <laughs> stuff. What was that uh, thing in from uh, Agents of Shield called? Like the the hover the car- helicarrier, the helicarrier. Yeah, they have one of those and just drones like, yeah. I mean, Jeffrey Bezos retired. He's going to go to space now and take his $272 billion to go fuck off. Yeah. If uh, if Dogecoin shoots back up any, I'm probably going to go do one of those zero-G flights. I'm about it. 
Um, I, I kind of want to do one now, but at the same time, I'm like, oh, man, like there's there's so much more I could spend that money on. So if anyone has it in there and they can get me a discount, uh, please let me know. I, um, I, I'll send them a, a, some feet pics or something, you know, See, whatever, whatever those weirdos are into. You know, I tried to get you set up for sending feet pics out. And yeah. I have that OnlyFans for the, for the group. And so we might need to redo that, you know. I mean, all I have to do is take one person off of it. Because yeah, the, the yeah, account, yeah. like, unlink their, that from the account, and then it's set up. And then we could just put feed pics of Dan all over it. So DM Dan if you want to see his feed pics, and we'll get that set up. Honestly, like, even if it's ironically, you know what I mean? Like, maybe you're not, like, super into that, but, you know, you, you want to do it for the banter. You know what I mean? I mean, honestly, who wouldn't want to see your ginormo feet? <laughs> I mean, they're huge. I'm, I'm, like, a, I'm, a, I'm a good couple inches taller than him, and he's still got way bigger feet than me. What are you, like, a size 13? Yeah, Get those, get those uh, little puppies and some paraffin wax and watch you peel them off slow. Yeah, like uh, yesterday, Samantha was like, I, I got to run out to the car to grab something. But like her shoes were located like elsewhere. And so she just threw on a pair of my uh, sneakers. And like it was like Krusty the Clown, like flop, 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 flop. Like she was wearing her daddy's shoes. And she like looked over at me and she's like, your feet are fucking huge. And like walked <laughs> out and I'm like. Really? <laughs> like, Why you got to dunk on me just to go to the car, Samantha? <laughs> like, I'm sorry. I didn't do that intentionally. <laughs> All right. So we have a great guest lined up next. Uh, Megan <laughs> Henry. She is a member of the Team USA um, skeleton team, I guess. Is that how you say it? Oh, my. What, skeleton team? Yeah. Do they do they ride the skeletons? Like a bobsled? Like yeah. A, yeah. She She's a skeleton athlete. That's dope. It's like you have like the luge and then you have the skeleton, which is like the one person version of bobsled. One is like feet first. The other is like face first. She's the face first. Dope. Yeah. It's like just like death and danger and 100 mile an hour turns like right there. I've seen uh, there was a thing I saw. There you go. TikTok. I saw a guy on a longboard doing that in Iceland down the side of a mountain and it wasn't even wearing like he was wearing glasses. Yeah. Like you just like. I live in Iceland. This is the only thing I could do to raise my blood pressure. And he's just like yeeting himself down a mountain on this longboard at Mock Muhammad. Was it the guy that did our um, snowmobile thing on the glacier when we were in Iceland? Oh, Hans? No, I don't think it was Hans. No, no. Well, God, what was it? It was or like Fritz. Was he, he like he came up with the snowboard and, or the snowmobile, and he like like drifted it. And yeah, like, he drifted. It, he got off. Like he, sprayed us with the with the snow. Yeah, and then he took his helmet off front to back, like he was just gonna like. Swing his hair like it yeah. was a Baywatch episode. His name was Hans. And he was like, uh, my name is Hürgen Flergen, Hürgen Flergen, but you guys can call me Hans. <laughs> right? And I was just like, how many Flergens was that again? Try to write it down. <laughs> Four. How many How many, How many? many Flugens did I pay for this? <laughs> too many. Oh, no. Not too many. That was that was worth every Flugen for that ride. No, I, see, got to, I got to boot you in the chest on the top of a glacier while a bunch yeah. of Europeans looked at us. And then that one couple wrecked their snowmobile, and they're like, hey, we got to medevac them, and there's a blizzard rolling in. And I was like, this seems like just a very long sequence of poor planning. So I'm on point for this, trying to go down a glacier, three feet of visibility, and they're like, oh, the the path, it's clearly marked. I was like, you're clearly full of shit. Like, I'm going off a mountain at some point. Yeah, it was probably like, oh, man, we uh, we ran out of fermented fish juice and hot dogs. <laughs> oh, man, that fermented snake. Yeah. Or not snake. Uh, was it? Shark. Yeah. Fermented shark shots. Yeah, exactly. Mm. The fermented fish juice. And wieners. <laughs> and hot dogs. The two most popular things we found in Iceland. Bro, uh, they no love jokes. hot dogs so much. They had pictures of Bill Clinton coming over there and eating hot dogs out of their hot dog stands. <laughs> <laughs> All 
Yeah, so we um, she's much better at that than we are. I, I feel like she would have been best to be point flying down a, a glacier. Oh, yeah, definitely. And it, so if we ever go back and decide we want to fly down a glacier for no reason again, we're going to have to call her up. For sure. So uh, please enjoy that interview. And uh, yeah. Bye. Bye. Welcome to the Smoke Pit. Today joining us, we have Megan Henry. She is a member of the U.S. Army World Class Athlete Program, as well as an Olympic hopeful. Megan, welcome. Thank you so much, Daniel. And you are also a uh, former uh, enlisted personnel who went to the dark side, became an That's officer right. <laughs> uh, in the U.S. Army Reserve. And uh, is, is it classified to say that you're an intelligence officer? <laughs> no, it's not classified. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. If, uh, if, if you couldn't hear what I just said in the last sentence, then it was redacted. But if, uh, if you could hear it as a listener, then it, it was not. So that'll be the greatest indicator right there. <laughs> so speaking of like we kind of have this idea of how like secret squirrel espionage like you know the uh the the s2 is you know so could you lift the the veil back a little bit like what really goes on behind there is it all like you know like matrix computer screens and you know uh, ai programs um, running <laughs> yeah i mean for anybody listening who's been in a skiff i mean it's it it's a lot of computers and depending on where you are. So I'm part of European command. So um, some things are a little bit different uh, yeah. depending on where you are. Uh, European command is pretty fancy. Um, I can't speak to a lot of it, but it is kind of looks like um, any typical like movie that you see with a bunch of screens, like everybody's in a control room. That's like basically what it's <laughs> like. Um, lo- a lot going on, a lot of people in there and um but I mean, you're in a dark room. <laughs> I don't know why it's dark. Like it, it, it's dark for some reason, I guess, because there's so many like LED screens everywhere, but um, to help with the brooding and like defensiveness, <laughs> yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, and you're in there for 12 hours. And so Oof. a lot of it is um, it takes a lot of endurance, I have to say, uh, especially for someone like me, like I'm used to um, training and being outside and things like that. So it, it, it is, it is difficult. Um, for me, it, it was a lot different than, you know, what my recruiter had told me <laughs> yeah. that, that pitch, um, you know, you go into it thinking you're like going to be a, a spy and like doing all these crazy things, but it's, uh, it's a lot of like mulling through information and, um, turning raw intelligence into actionable uh, yeah and so it's not it's not super glamorous i have to say all the time but um but it is interesting because you are privy to obviously some um significant information and so um it's kind of cool to be on that side but um how's the uh the sense of humor of the group because if it was me like i'd say maybe at least once a week i'd just like stand up and stare at the screen and be like jesus christ is jason born and then everybody would look and it would look like an italian joe pesci and they're like really dude (laughs) um i you know what i have to say and this is one thing that i i love about being in the military um there's uh, always characters and even though i have transitioned to the dark side um i feel like european command is awesome because um most of the brass are, are actually pretty hysterical and a lot of them are prior enlisted. And I, I do think that makes a significant difference in leadership. And mm-hmm. um, so I've been fortunate enough that a lot of the people that I've worked with are, are very funny or um, at least understanding, you know, and kind of give people a break when they're, 
uh, losing their minds after a 12 hour <laughs> shift. So uh, it's been, it's been pretty good. I think they're pretty, their sense of humor is pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I think the next time that you're ending your shift, well, like as you're watching the clock tick down, you have like five to 10 seconds left. You should stand up and be like, you know what? I am a world-class <laughs> athlete. I am a peacock. You got to let me fly. And then just run out of the, <laughs> run out of the skiff. Yeah. <laughs> I'll keep that in mind. I'll make a note of that. Yeah. And somebody would be like, hey, uh, could, could somebody text the chaplain, go check on Henry, make sure she's all right? Like, So speaking of, uh, so that is another uh, very unique position to find yourself in part of, you know, such um, an exclusive club because the military inherently prides itself on, you know, physical fitness and uh, the, the amount of time that people spend into training and growing stronger. But then to kind of be separated from an, a, gr- uh, a group that already prides itself on that, uh, tell us how that came about. Yeah, so I um, I went to American University in D.C. I played Division One field hockey. Um, I walked onto the track team my senior year. I had considered actually doing ROTC in college, but I felt like my athletic commitments were year-round, and I just would have had no life whatsoever if I did yeah. ROTC. Um I had always had an interest in joining the military. So that was why. And then um, when I graduated, I couldn't get a job anywhere that I wanted a job. <laughs> like I wanted to work <laughs> for the FBI and they were like, you know, you need three to five years of work experience and a master's degree. I'm like, cool. I have neither of those. So uh, I guess to work I as, get that. <laughs> to work as a, um, an intelligence analyst or as like a field agent. Um, uh, it was the program I was trying to get into at the time. It was awesome. It was this like rotational program. So they put you in different departments and different positions over a a three year period. Mm -hmm. And then at the end, you could kind of like voice what your interests on what you thought fit you best. And then, you know, you may or may not got put put into that. So it was really cool. I was super amped about it, but it didn't work out. (laughs) And, um, so I was like, okay, well, I will go get my quote unquote work experience and master's degree um, through the army, I ultimately decided to join the reserve because I wanted to get my master's degree quickly. I wanted to do that part fast, but, um, you know, there were other plans, uh, out there for me because then that's when I was introduced. I was actually recruited to do bobsled. And, um, so I had gone up and, uh, I slid in a bobsled, um, but they were like, you know, you got to gain 30 to 50 pounds. So for people listening, I'm, five foot two, five foot two and a half. So like, I always round up and tell people I'm five, three. Yeah. I'm like, now I'm like 125 pounds. But at the time I was like 118. (laughs) So it was like, not going to work out. Okay. Yeah. I, um, I told my girlfriend that I'm a six, two in heels. (laughs) I'm, I'm five eleven, which is, I like that. Yeah. A lot more impressive in centimeters, but, uh, (laughs) so no, I, I get the idea of rounding your height up a little bit. I'm going to start saying that in heels. I'm (laughs) five, four. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I'm six foot in combat boots, but six, two in heels. Yeah, Yeah, right. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, So, so yeah, I was, I went through kind of the process with bobsled and when they were like, "Uh, yeah, you're too small. They told me to switch over to skeleton and um, I was doing a It seems a little on the nose, you know, like, uh, Hey, you're too skinny for bobsled. Go be on the skeleton team. You skeleton. Yeah, <laughs> I got you know, I've never thought of that before, but I guess you're right. <laughs> no, I um, just assume that everything is a personal insult to begin no, with. Okay. No, I'm kidding. But... <laughs> so uh, tell, uh, tell the listeners who may not 
uh, be overly familiar. Um, how does that differ from bobsledding? For sure. I know I was going to get into that because most people that I talk to never have any idea what I'm talking about. Um, mm-hmm. So I tell people it's like luge, but head first. Or if you've seen cool runnings, which I feel like a lot of people have, mm-hmm. um, it's like bobsled. It's on the same track as bobsled, but it's one person. You go head first on your stomach on an ice track, uh, hitting speeds up to like 80 miles an hour in most places is top speed and you uh, feel five G's of force. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. So, um, dude, I would totally poop myself if that was the case. (laughs) I'm doing 80 miles an hour head first five G's. Like I probably had Taco Bell before I went on the track. (laughs) Let's be honest. Like I, and your face is like two inches off the ice. Oh my goodness. And I'm from Florida too. So like, you know, that much ice is, is scary to begin Too with. Much. And you're, I mean, you're wearing a spandex suit and oh. you know, it's, it's a lot, it gets cold. It does. It get sounds cold. like a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, there's a running start. You only run for like five seconds. You load onto the sled and, um, yeah. So I, I was doing a combine test and I was wearing something that said, you know, like army, I don't know, I was being a dweeb wearing something with the army on it <laughs> when I didn't have to be. And, um, so my head coach at the time, um, saw it and he was like, Oh, do you know about the army world-class athlete program? You know, you should try to apply and get in the program. And at that time I hadn't really, I hadn't even really done anything in the sport. So it took a little bit of time for me to go through what we call a sliding school, like some like rookie camps basically. Yeah. And, um, be evaluated and put into races and things like that. And then as I kind of got some, you know, accomplishments under my belt, I was able to apply to the world-class athlete program. And that essentially is for any Olympic level sport. If you show the potential to make an Olympic team and represent the army, you can um, be a member of the world-class athlete program. If you're accepted, of course, and that's, that will be your job for the, the time that you're on that assignment. So, um, I've now, been- will they help you select a sport or do you have to go in there with the idea of like, Hey, this is, uh, this is what I'm good at. Yeah. For the most part, they're looking for people who are like, they have some sort of established, um, record in a sport. And so you'll, you'll see actually a lot of people because Team USA athletes are largely self-funded. You will see accomplished athletes or people who are at a national team level in sports like wrestling and boxing and um, shooting, even, you know, things like that will end up joining uh, to help them fund their career. And that's a big part of it because um, the Army world-class athlete program is big in terms of helping with like morale, recruiting purposes. And uh, we do tear missions, which is basically going around and talking about what we do and help kind of train, uh, other units and things like that. So it's, um, yeah, it, it's, I mean, it's a total honor. It's amazing. I tell people all the time that it's the best job in the army. <laughs> so if, if you're a, a national level athlete, um, there's definitely, you know, an incentive for you. I think that the yeah. people, people who get the most out of it are obviously someone like myself who is in the military uh, already or wants to be, cause you, you do have people who join just because they're like, Oh, I can get a paycheck, you know? And I, I think they, you know, that gets old pretty fast because they did not want to have anything to do with the military. And, um, 
So you see them come and go pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah. Um, Thomas Echelenberg, I, I apologize if I mispronounce his last name. I believe he's a specialist, uh, but he uh, was just uh, selected for a training camp uh, for uh, biathlon mm-hmm. in Winter Olympics. And you know, same thing, like he, uh, you know, he got sent to a developmental program and, you know, now he is in a, in a good position where, you know, he might be selected for the Olympics and, uh, you know, he joined the uh, the National Guard originally to help pay for you know things and get insurance and benefits, and then for some reason he was just like, "Wow, I happen to be really good at this," and <laughs> they invite him on the team. That's Same awesome. Thing with uh, Marine Staff Sergeant John Stefowicz, uh, he just got selected for the uh, the U.S. Olympic uh, team for wrestling. That's amazing. And yeah, that's great. There are several other examples out there where you know if you dedicate yourself, and you know we've had uh, Nate Weber on the show. Uh, and where U.S. service members, they're able to compete for these coveted spots and, you know, not only go represent the country, but then, you know, even that, like as much of an honor as it is, it, you know, it does come to an end, but to be able to be on a team and have that be like your nine to five job and also give back to the military, help with recruiting and people develop themselves. Like that seems like a really cool way to, uh, to spend your military career versus sweeping the motor pool. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. It's, it's really different. Um, and I found it, you know, it it depends on who you're talking to. Some people like it and some people hate it. Like they hate that. That's what you get to do. Which I'm sure some of that is envy, you know, um, like, okay. I like was in the desert, like, uh, like, you know, doing God knows water or or like you said, smoke pit. Um, (laughs) and, and you're like over here working out all day, but it, it's, it is, it's a huge commitment on, on my part anyway, on like on all of the athletes part, there's a lot that goes into it that I think people don't really understand. There's a huge sacrifice, um, in its own way. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah, a if different, if you can't even dedicate yourself to, uh, to getting a higher score on your PT test, then this probably isn't, the, <laughs> this isn't for you. This isn't for you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I would say, I mean, like Nate, it's, was just like, he's an awesome, um, example of someone who was super driven. I mean, obviously SF has the athletic capability, the, the mental capability and, and skill set to go and excel at a really high level. It's, it's like, like I don't want to equate with what, what I do with being social forces because it's not, but it does require that same like physical, um, dedication and yeah. the, the mindset to excel and be at peak performance. And, um, there's a lot of really amazing skills that we, uh, either develop or don't <laughs> that, but that transition to other things when we're done being an athlete, which goes back either yeah. into your military career or elsewhere. Yeah. Well, we'll take a moment of silence for all those who, uh, clutch their pearls at the mere mention that something could be comparable <laughs> to, to special yeah. forces. Let's do that. Let's do that. I know. <laughs> I, like I said, yeah. I'm like, it's not even remotely comparable, but <laughs> no, I, I just think it's a, it's funny that you brought that up. Cause uh, some people get a little touchy and at the end of the day, it's like, you know, there were, there were people who were in various jobs that, you know, came with a lot of pedigree that didn't get to see any action. Then there were people who were mm-hmm. a national guard mechanic from Minnesota that got right. sent to Ramadi. And so one of the things that I've tried to establish here on the smoke pit is just like, you know, like we can have pride in our job and our branch and all that stuff, but it doesn't inherently make you better than anyone else because on any given Sunday, you know, that, 
you know, mechanic from the National Guard could be slaying bodies in Ramadi. Yeah, totally. And so you never, you never really know what you're capable. Like Audie Murphy got rejected from the Marine Corps for uh, being too small. Yep. And then, you know, he went and won every award for valor that was available at the time. So, you know, we, uh, we need to judge each other more by our actions than by our bravado and our ego. But, mm-hmm. you know, you've proven that through your actions, you have become experienced in the sport and you've worked very hard for this career. And, you know, you're, you're hoping to get to the Olympics. Yeah, definitely. And I will say like, there's a lot that I've learned, um, on like the mental aspect for, of peak performance that has actually driven me to consider what, you know, what am I going to do when I'm done being an athlete, which is most likely after the Olympics, I feel like I'm going to retire. I've been doing skeleton for like nine years or something, almost a decade basically. And, um, uh, what I really want to do is I, I want to utilize the sports psychology or uh, get my doctorate in clinical psych. And I want to be able to work with uh, military members because I think that it's, it's so important. And um, I know that's gotten over the years anyway, that I've been in, that's definitely, there's been a transition to where uh, there is more emphasis on that, but um, I'm super interested to be able to like utilize that in both an athletics uh, standpoint and in the military. Right on. Uh, is there anything that has stand out, uh, from, you know, the, uh, the learning to, um, motivate yourself mentally or to cope with the mental obstacles? Is there any one lesson or uh, thing that you've learned throughout the years that kind of, kind of really carries the most weight with you? Oh man, that's a solid question. Um, I would say that it would be to, uh, control what you can control and to prepare for what you cannot control. (laughs) So, um, I think, you know, in, in skeleton earlier on in my career, I kind of thought like like things were always happening to me. And, um, I, I was like really focused on the external. And as I've kind of grown as a person and an athlete, um, I've, I've realized that, I'm not in a quote unquote victim uh, of, of whatever situation. And that, um, there are a lot of things that you can control. And a lot of that, you know, has to do with your preparation and your mindset. And I mean, everything that I, you know, I kind of feel like I'm being a broken record, but those are the things that you can control. And, um, the other stuff you kind of have to let go of. So I guess that would probably be it. (laughs) Yeah. There are kind of, two general schools of thought when it comes to the passage of time where either you are the stationary object and the river of time is flowing past you or that time is stationary and linear and that you're walking down it. Mm -hmm. And so you have those two ideas where like, you know, are things happening to you or are you you driving the action? And, you know, I'm, you know, I'm no uh, philosopher or anything, or at least not professionally. <laughs> so I, I can't tell you which one is accurate, but being able to identify which one, uh, which way you see the, the world. I've had a lot of guests say that, like, once you can identify how you view the world and how things appear to you, then it gives you a lot more insight as to why things happen, why you act the way you do, why you respond to things, how you can uh, influence yourself and your environment for the better. Definitely. I think, um, like for myself, I've done a lot of mindfulness, a lot of introspective work, um, particularly after, so leading up to the 2014 Olympics, I experienced, I had blood clots. Um, I was 
had blood clots in my lungs was caused by a birth control and I was out for a year. And, um, I, you know, I really suffered from depression in that time. Um, just because it was like, you spend so much of your time working up to this giant goal you have, and it's taken away from you. And, um, my life was very different. And I know there's a lot of people listening that can relate to that. I might not be, you know, my experience might be not even comparable to yours, but, um, as far as, you know, I, I went from training like six days a week, sometimes twice a day. And then I was allowed to walk for 10 minutes a day. And I was in and out of doctor's offices five times a week. And it was, uh, very hard to deal with at the time. And so the way that I was able to kind of get past that, which was not an overnight thing, um, get past it mentally. I mean, was that I had to kind of look for something in the future, have a a hope for the future, like, um, be optimistic that I was going to return to competing and be able to train. Cause I, I was told that I wouldn't, I was told that, you know, you might not ever be an athlete ever again. And, uh, that's really hard to hear. And I know that there's people listening that can relate to that. Like, okay, you, you're being medically discharged or whatever the case may be. Um, and so for me, I had to be like, like I said, uh, hopeful and optimistic and, um, kind of making like contingency plans, but I was again, like controlling what I could control. And, um, it allowed me to, uh, luckily, you know, I, I didn't have a blood clotting disorder and I was able to have a full recovery and return back to competing. But, um, yeah, it was a, it was a rough time. I will say. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I had three blood clots in my lungs, um, pulmonary embolisms Yeah, and it, it was rough. It came out of nowhere. Um, mine was, um, probably, I mean, I'm, I, I don't have an IUD or anything, so I can't blame <laughs> it on birth control, but, uh, the VA says it most certainly wasn't because of toxic exposure claim right. denied. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All those burn pits definitely didn't <laughs> do this to you. Yeah. Claim yeah. denied it was definitely um, a scary experience because, you know, you just have a pain and it it doesn't go away. Yeah. And eventually you have to make a decision like, okay, like something isn't right. Like I need to go to the hospital. Yeah. And, you know, to, to hear something like that, when you're, you're getting that news that, you know, your, your life may never be the same. It's tough, you know? Yeah. It's wild. And I I don't know, like, I'm sure you obviously had difficulty breathing and the the crazy experience was for, for me was that I was, um, I was doing a combine to the, this annual like test that we had to get evaluated, like similar to an NFL combine, you know, you're being evaluated on your strength, your speed, agility, things like that. Yeah. And I mean, I could not, I could not jog a lap to warm up. I couldn't, I basically like sat there until I was able to make my attempts for the events. And I would like, sprint 45 meters and fall over like trying to catch my breath and people are like you know dude are you good like, doing they, yeah. they were like what is going on I'm like I have no idea I was like apologizing like oh my god I'm sorry you know I'm, I'm making you uncomfortable I'm sorry but um I mean <laughs> no. that was so bizarre like not being yeah. able to breathe is definitely a scary thing <laughs> No, I, I understand that. I, I can only imagine that if I had been, I mean, even with pulmonary emblems aside, having to do a combine, I probably would have got like <laughs> a negative two in the agility. <laughs> no, I, I, uh, I had owned a, a hauling company at the time. So I spent the entire day, you know, um, oh my doing God. stuff and yeah. 
it just started getting worse and worse and worse. And I, I'd worked the entire day. And then towards the end of the night, I was like, well, all the medical TV shows that I watch say that, you know, if you have chest pain, that they'll, right. they'll give you a bed. And I'm like, well, that must be pretty serious then. So, you know, I went on to the, um, down to the good old VA and, uh, that, that was definitely a, a podcast worth of, uh, of shenanigans in itself. <laughs> right. So thankfully you were able to recover and, mm-hmm. um, you know, you, you were able to, to, to continue with your, your athletic, uh, endeavors and you know the u.s army world-class athlete program and at, at what point in time did you have the idea like hey like this could get me to the olympics um i mean when you're first like doing these sports that's kind of like the the like bait it's, it's like the same thing your recruiter's like oh i can get you this bonus you know like yeah. trying to hook you in there <laughs> look at so these cool like, airborne wings right right like so they kind of like put that in your mind to begin with but as the time goes on you're like okay this is not as easy as i thought it was gonna be (laughs) you know this this trajectory is not quick um so that's uh, like uh hyping your buddies up at the bar when they see a girl that they like oh dude like i can't get with that like no dude like look how tall she is you guys are gonna have (laughs) d1 athlete kids you know like yeah like, you know, you gotta, you, you gotta do the hard sell for the promising future. Definitely. It, I, Cause it's like, they do not tell you like one, how much time, how much money. Like I, I was talking with someone uh, recently, one of my, my friends who's also a skeleton athlete. And I was like, there uh, in the last you know decade, I have easily spent over half a million dollars easily on just oh, training, wow. training, travel, competing, my, you know, coaches for different things, um, yeah. treatment, sports medicine, like easily. I, I tracked it over the years and like, I mean, it's a substantial amount of money. So they, you know, they're not telling you that they're not yeah. telling you that to begin with. And then, um, no, that's fair. Cause, uh, we had, um, Steve Macklin, who was a, a pro wrestler on a few episodes ago. And I mean, he will attest spandex is expensive. <laughs> You know? It is. Our suits are super expensive. I'm buying, I'm buying two for the next yeah. season and it's going to be $1,500 for two. <laughs> yeah. You look at the, uh, you know, the, just like the, the spandex leggings that you see on, on I know they're like a hundred bucks. <laughs> yeah. They're like a yeah. hundred bucks easily, but now you gotta, you know, put a, you know, the, the stars and stripes on there and yeah. Make it yeah, official. <laughs> make it official. And, you know, and, and of course, like you got to have it like custom order. Cause if it's anything like a wetsuit, like yeah. it's not super flattering. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so they definitely don't tell you that. And then also for, at least for the U S for the most part, um, we usually send two women, sometimes three, uh, but it's like, okay, we for sure will be sending two women. So, you know, that's not that many. <laughs> no, not at all. And, uh, I mean, in the past, so this is my third Olympic trials, that um, I just completed and, uh, we did it basically eight months early cause things got shifted around because of COVID. But, yeah. um, so this is my, was my third Olympic trials. And I mean, I've been like two spots away from making an Olympic team. I, you know, I've been like a couple of hundredths of a second. It, it's, it's crazy. So it's, it's yeah. not this easy, easy thing. It's definitely, uh, time and money <laughs> no no i i get that um uh samantha was telling me that she missed the uh the because she was a swimmer 
and uh, she missed the time for like the uh, the Olympic qualifier by like two seconds and her swimming. And I'm like, two seconds, like that's nothing. And she's like, no, dude, that's like an eternity in swimming. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, like it, it, <laughs> it will take me like 10 minutes to swim a lap. Like <laughs> two seconds is like a fraction yeah. uh, of existence to me, you know? Like just the idea that like you could just be two seconds away from making, you know, an, an, a, a time for be able to go try out for the Olympic qualifier. Like that's mind blowing. But yeah, you know, when you have uh world-class athletes, like they cut down to like the uh, 10th, 100th of a second yeah. and that can, you know, make the entire difference in, in someone's life. I know it's crazy, it's, especially like in, yeah. in bobsled and in skeleton. Um, I mean, races are won and lost by hundreds of a second, but like the top six people are literally like 100 different. There's people tie frequently, um, believe it or not. And then it's, I mean, there are just hundreds, hundreds of seconds separate like the first person to 10th. So it's super competitive. It's very, very competitive, but that's what makes it addicting and fun. (laughs) I think at that point we've, we've found the level of like human ability in that area, like (laughs) physically possible to, to do this action. And so now we gotta, we gotta add like uh, a little bit of flair. Right. Like, like style I, points and no, like, exactly. Like how cool would that be if you had like, <laughs> like dual 45s and you had to take out like clay pigeons on your way down? <laughs> you know what? I would love to see it. <laughs> yeah. Like they, I mean, they'd have to modify like the sled a little bit, you know, totally. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, give you like some arm braces, um, <laughs> but no, I, I think that, you know, I think that's just the next logical evolution. That is definitely the next logical evolution. I will agree with you. <laughs> so if you could have picked a sport to have like really excelled in, because like we were saying earlier, like I wish my talents were in uh, you know, the stock market or, or rocket science, but un- unfortunately they ended up being uh, making memes and <laughs> being a mediocre podcast host. And you know, that's how I make my living. So if you could have picked any other sport to have just been like the GOAT, the best to ever do it winter or summer Olympics. Like what, what would you have picked? Man? Um, this is tough, but I'll, I'll, I'll narrow it down to three and then I'll try and narrow it down from there. So, um, growing up, uh, gymnastics. Um, I also really wanted to be a snowboarder. Um, I like barely snowboard as it is. So I don't know where that came from, but I was like really determined that I would somehow make an Olympic team for snowboarding. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, you know, hmm, I'm picking all summer sports, which is funny, uh, because I'm pursuing a winter one, but uh, snowboarding that's, that's winter, right? Well, yeah, sorry. I was thinking, uh, track and field too. Yeah. Um, what, what was, the, what did I say beforehand? Oh, gymnastics. gymnastics. Yeah. Gymnastics yep. and snowboarding and yeah, last and but not least track and field. Yeah. That, that's, that's, I think that's a good selection. Um, so when you say track and field, like, would you want to do like hurdles, long jumps, sprinting? Oh no. Uh, Cross country. I'd yeah. probably be a sprinter. Yeah. Just get it over with. Get it over with. I mean, that's like what it is in skeleton. I, yeah. uh, I do run for like five seconds. I mean, it's crazy because you do all this training and you're like running for five seconds, you know? Yeah. And, um, my coach always uh, makes <laughs> fun of me because I'm doing like, like sled pushes with weight, you know, like prowler pushes and for like 20 yards and I'm dying. He's like, this is endurance for Megan. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> it is. I can't, I can't run this far. No joke. 
Um, which makes it, which makes PT tests like literally awful. And I, I used to be pretty good at it. Like if I'm training for that, you know, running granted it's changed now to the ACFT for the army, but, um, when it was two mile run, I used to be good. I was like, uh, pretty up there, um, like perfect scoring and in, in PT tests. But at the same time, if you asked me to like, go do that right now, I would, I would be very upset. And I, there's times I, like, I still have to do that, which is funny because I, but my times I'm like, I'm like, what's the minimum that I have to get here? Cause I don't run anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I get that. Um, so I would say that if it was me, uh, the first one, first and foremost, would have to be boxing. Uh, yeah, cause I, I, I love boxing to begin with. And, uh, it's, it, it definitely is the sweet science. I don't like the, the, uh, you know, the crazy publicity stuff that goes along with it. And, you know, you, you wait 47 years for about that, you know, ends in yeah. nearly a draw, but, uh, you know, <laughs> like, imagine being so good at throwing hands that they send you to the Olympics. I know. You know like that, that, that would just be a talent that like, all right, you may not be, you know, uh, you know, top 10 in the world for the rest of your life, but like, you'll still at least be able to get the better of anyone you, you get into a bar fight with more or less. Totally. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. A lot of the, like what I think the world-class athlete program is known for is, are our boxers um, and wrestlers too, but um, there's some yeah. pretty exciting, um, events in boxing, uh, particularly women's boxing, actually. Uh, so yeah, um, Clarissa Shields just uh, made her MMA debut and cheat won nearly everything there was to win in women's boxing. And uh, she went over to MMA and yeah, so we wish her the best, but um, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Like women's boxing has, um, has, you know, really, uh, really grown in the last couple, yeah. uh, couple years and decades or so. I'd say the second one would probably be fencing because like, oh. if you could just be magically gifted the ability to be one of the best sword <laughs> fighters, in the world, like that's also like something that I don't think I would pass up on. I know that that's like a, yeah. you know, like a, an old trade, you know, yeah. <laughs> unhand thyself <laughs> and you apply your, your cutlass. But uh, no, I, I know cutlass is very different than, than what they, uh, they use in the Olympics, but last but not least, I'd probably say basketball. And, uh, for two reasons, first and foremost, uh, you're on a team, right? So there's a lot that goes with that. So if you lose, like, it's not just like on you, you know what I mean? You're like, Oh yeah. guys, like we could have done better. Right. <laughs> and then at the same time, like you get to be around all these other people who are really good at their trade. And I mean, you know, typically our, our basketball Olympic team is all NBA millionaires. So that'd be super cool people to like yeah. go spend a, a couple of weeks in a foreign country with. Yeah. And then uh, the second reason would be that if Space Jam ever became like a real <laughs> thing, right, I would want to be the dude to go. Definitely. And, and maybe not like the, you know, the MJ or LeBron, but like at the very least, like the Bill Murray, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> I get Bill like, Murray. yeah, I get like oh one good God. assist in there, you know, that, that clutches That's the game. In your, in your high heels. So you're <laughs> tall enough. <laughs> no, no joke. Like, and particularly if you could get like, uh, like both of them. Cause you imagine like breaking an alien's ankles. And then when he tries to scrap with you, you just like piece him up, you know, <laughs> like that, that right there. Like, that's what like eight-year-old Daniel would just like, totally. like I, I'm just sitting there in like the battered children's shelter, looking at the blacked out windows. So I'm like, one day I'll dunk on an alien, you know? <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> so, um, 
if you had to offer any sort of advice to uh, service members who are possibly looking into um, going into a, a similar career field where maybe they want to uh, take up a sport or uh, perhaps get on a team, like uh, what, what would you say? So if you're already doing a sport and you're already in the military, um, I guess even, even if you're not, go to armywcap.com and look at like the entry standards for your sport. Um, and I, like, I do think people should apply. Like uh, they're not gonna look at your application if you don't meet these standards, which is why it's good to know them. But um, I think also like, Another cool route is the all army sports and, you know, or Marines or Navy or whatever branch you're in yeah. to kind of get, get you in if, if you're in a team sport anyway. And then, um, man, my advice, I don't know. I guess I would say that, um, if it's something that seriously interests you, you should definitely do it because I think there's nothing like being able to represent your country in more than one uniform. It's like a tremendous honor for yeah. me. Um, I, I take a lot of pride in that. Um, and I know that, you know, this job is very different. It's, uh, has its unique demands in itself, but, um, I, the honor that I feel is, it's just incredible. And I think, you know, representing the U S is obviously amazing, but when you're at an international competition or particularly when I'm hopefully at the Olympic games in February, um, it is different to be someone who had volunteered to defend their country and um, stand there, you know, hopefully on a podium. Yeah. <laughs> it, it just hits different. It hits different. I'm over here <laughs> trying to defend the world from some aliens. Look out. Exactly. I mean, look, yeah. there's, there's pride in that. <laughs> yeah. You just hit them with a, you know, like the, I don't know if you ever played that game, NBA street where they had all like the, <laughs> like the trick dribbling, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you just break someone's ankles and launch from the free throw line and, you know, uh, just oh throw God. down a tomahawk, no looker <laughs> and just hang from the rim, you know, like that, that right there, like, uh, that'd be so cool. But unfortunately, like I said, I'm uh, <laughs> six, two in heels. So uh, <laughs> jumping is not exactly my, uh, my forte. And I, I know that there's going to be some listener who's going to message me. And it's like, oh, I'm five, three and I could dunk. Well, fuck you, buddy. Okay. That's what I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, so I guess uh, the the next logical question that if you have an idea of, uh, you know, if you've already started where you should go. Uh, so let's let's back it up just a little bit more. Uh, there's a lot of people who just kind of think that they um, that they, you know, they already have this athletic prowess by virtue of being in the military. But uh, what misconceptions about like nutrition and fitness and health mm. uh, do you think are very prevalent in the military that um, maybe you as a young soldier wish you knew or that you wish uh, the new uh, joints coming in knew so they could, you know, uh, avoid uh, some of the missteps that the older generation did? Well, I would say that uh the less caffeine and cigarettes that you consume <laughs> might, uh, might be better. I think that, um, also <laughs> I, I used to be able to eat anything. I could eat anything and it did not matter. And, um, I mean, I, I've been in the, the army for 12 years now. I just turned 34, uh, in this month in June. Um, and uh it's different it does it's just different after 30 for some reason and so <laughs> the like i will say that um 
you know, leading up to any sort of like, whether, whether it's a PT test or an evaluation or, um, or if you're an athlete and you're competing, the, the biggest thing, like I used to be like, oh, I can stay up all night. You know, I can stay up all night. I can get like two hours of sleep and I can go and I can like rock this. But I would say that prioritizing sleep, which isn't always possible in, in, you know, in a military job, but, um, prioritizing sleep and recovery is so important. And it just like, it makes your performance output. It's just exponentially better. And I think, um, I did not prioritize that in my younger days (laughs) as an athlete or soldier. (laughs) So, um, and then I think, you know, I always thought that I, I could just like wake up and not eat anything until two o'clock in the afternoon. And I would be good as long as I consumed that, like whatever number of calories. But, um, I think that starting your day and eating is is super important, not just chugging coffee or an energy drink. Um, (laughs) that, that is also significant. I will say. (laughs) Right on. I, um, I, I totally get that. And there's, there's always those Marines in your platoon that they act like, uh, like dip or a cigarette was like, like their yeah. spinach, like Popeye, you know, They're like, yeah. Oh, I got to get this cigarette so I can run faster. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, scientifically that, that doesn't I know. make sense. Like, I don't know what kind of spirit of chesty polar bullshit you think you got going on. But, <laughs> uh, and so beyond like the, um, the health and the nutrition, uh, let's talk about injury prevention. Uh, because so many troops get out at 22 and then like their knee is just fucked for the rest of their life Yeah, or, you know, their, their back or their neck is just going to hurt for the rest of their life. And I, I didn't know anything about injury prevention until it was too late. So at this point, I feel like I'm a car mechanic in Cuba. Like I'm just, (laughs) you know, I'm just using whatever I can get my hands on to keep the engine running. Yeah. And uh, Um, a little little embargo joke for, for those who didn't understand, but. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think it's, I, it's tough because, you know, you're, I feel like the, in the military anyway, you're always taught to be like, oh, you just got to like no pain, no gain. We got to keep yeah. going. And if so, you just Semper Fidelis hard enough, then <laughs> yeah. your knee pain will go away. Yeah. And it's hard. Cause you also, you don't want to be the person who's like, okay. Uh, I think I have a serious injury. I don't want to be a sick call ranger or whatever yeah. it is. So, um, oh, that's such a much more politically correct term. We just call them broke dicks. That's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like, I'm over there, like literally coughing up blood because I had pneumonia and, and I'm finishing a hike and they're like, oh, if you just want to go be a broke dick, go to medical, I guess. Yeah. It's hard because it's so much like guilt tripping and that. So, um, and I, I will say like, there is a line. Like there's definitely people who abuse that, who go for like every hangnail and, and everything. Oh, a thousand percent. That was so. me my last year in the Marines. <laughs> At that point, I was just like, you know what? I've done five deployments. I've officially put yeah. Kool-Aid down. I just want to get out. And if I could just be like, oh, oh you know, I, I got to go to medical. <laughs> and instead of going to do some dumb change of command ceremony right. for some dude, I don't even like. Exactly. <laughs> I get it. I totally get it. And I know like So like I say, there's a, there's a fine line, right? There's, um, between, uh, abusing, I guess, get that and, and, and actually needing it. Yeah. Um, I was abusing ethically though. 
Yeah. You know, I I support that. End of your career. (laughs) Yeah. End of your career. I I feel like everybody should just be given a no shave chip. Yeah. I feel like you, I I feel like you earned that also, you know? Um, Hmm. Man. But I mean, so much of the injury prevention stuff. I mean, it's literally what I was talking about. Like eating well is so important for injury prevention and like eating enough protein, making sure that you're stretching. Uh, I mean, it's like all the stuff that, you know, but you don't want to do, that's like everything I can think of that comes to mind for injury prevention, unfortunately. Um, but if you are actually hurt, I know I, I do suggest finding out sooner than later, what is wrong with you and how to remedy it as quickly as possible. <laughs> I, I will say one of the things that I really think the special operations community does better than uh, the Marine Corps infantry is that injury prevention. Um, I was, was talking to a young man uh, who had just uh, graduated ranger school and he's just like, uh, yeah, bro, you got to read this book called uh, being a supple leopard. It's all about like <laughs> loosening your ligaments yep. and you yep. know, making sure. And I was just like, okay, like I, I pulled out my Amazon and I bought it and I was like, okay. And he continued. And I was like, no, no, like you've convinced me. Like I've already bought the book. You don't have to continually to sell me into your cult. <laughs> like, yeah. You convinced me, bro. <laughs> you don't have to keep telling me about how you're so supple. <laughs> so you're so supple. Um, I know. I mean, and it, like the special operations community has a team of people for a reason, you know, yeah. like they have to be able to, and just like, you know, at the Olympic training center, we have a sports medicine team for a reason because you're doing all of this stuff um, training wise and like, you know, your, your body is not, um, your, your body is not infallible. It's not going to be perfect and amazing forever, particularly, you know, when you're younger and you can abuse it a lot more (laughs) that doesn't last forever. So I think the, the, you know, what do they say? Um, you'll have to correct me. What the, what is the saying? An ounce of prevention is worth whatever. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, no, I'll yeah, look that up. Cure, whatever yeah. the, the saying is. No, I think that's what it is. Uh, an ounce of prevention is worth a gallon of cure. I don't know if it's a gallon. I think it's something else, but a jerry okay. can. <laughs> yeah. So but, the actual saying is uh, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. I was going to say pound, but I'm like, why would I they? I don't know. I think I was thinking fluid, like fluid ounces. It's okay. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, funny enough, uh, that was said by Ponce de Leon. Really? Back. No, wow. I'm kidding. <laughs> I was like, "What?" <laughs> see, it, see that Man, if you, you say something me. outlandish enough, people will just go with it. Well, I, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, some dude convinced me to buy a book called "Being a Supple Leopard" at a party, and yeah. I was just like, "Okay, okay." Oh, that, that sounds like something that was vetted by the special forces community. <laughs> you know, it's interesting because, like, for me, I'm like, "Oh yeah, I roll out and I use a foam roller and I use a lacrosse ball and I do all these stretches." To me, it seems like that's an obvious thing because, like, I do this and I in my warm ups and blah blah blah. But a lot of people joining the military, like, they don't know that they never yeah. even taught any of that. So they come in and they're like, oh, I have to learn how to like run. <laughs> you know, a lot of people joining don't come from a, a super athletic background, um, and they might not have a clue what the hell that is, what being a supple leopard is. You know, so. Hmm. <laughs> And I, I, I will say, though, uh, another thing that the, uh, the, the soft guys do a, a lot better than us is if 
if you ever notice like our um you know every i don't spend a whole it didn't spend a, a whole lot of time on the bases that the, the special forces guys were on they usually just found some dirt hole to eat me in and be like don't die <laughs> we'll be back in two weeks just give you some mres but they're always just like jacked and tanned and like they have like the nice little sheen of like of like oil you know what i mean and like they got the hair product and oh man the hair is like yeah they have some good hair no matter what what branch you're talking about i feel like yeah i think that's the the uh the the base of most envy uh, from uh, Marine Infantry towards Special Operations is just, you know, like we'll just be in like our, our shitty camis that hasn't been washed in like two months, <laughs> hoping to get like a crumb of MWR. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And we look over and they just like, and wearing nothing but silkies, <laughs> cut the front of the line. And we're just like, wow, like those dudes are like, like the volleyball scene from Top Gun. Like that's just what I imagine what their life is like when they're not on mission. Um, I have a quick, funny aside story about Nate Weber. Um, yeah, I know, no, that's exactly who I imagine too. Just like so, Nate so, just spiking a volleyball and it knocks my green bean out of my hand, like the one that I got for that deployment. <laughs> I don't know. Hopefully, well, I guess we'll have to get his approval before we post it. I don't think he'll yeah. mind. So um, I was at Fort Carson um, when I was recovering from blood clots. I was I was actually working at, at the headquarters for for a W cap. And I remember we were in, in formation and Nate comes and he's got like, you know, he's got his sunglasses on, he's got his hand in his pocket, his beret on. And like our first sergeant was like, man, what are you doing? Like, you can't wear sunglasses in the formation unless you have a prescription. And he just, he basically was just, just stood there and did nothing. He was like, I'm wearing my sunglasses, you know, cause it's just funny because the culture is so different. And like, obviously he earned, he did earn that in a way, but I was, yeah. I was standing next to him. I'm like, dude, just take the fucking sunglasses off. Like, <laughs> just take them off. I know that you're, I, everyone knows that you're better than them. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but it was just like, oh my God, I felt guilty by association. Cause I was like standing next to him and I'm like, oh my, but it was hysterical. It was hysterical. Cause he was like, I'm more. I'm wearing my sunglasses. He had his sleeves rolled up at the time. We weren't allowed to do that um, yet. And so it was just hysterical to me. So yeah, yeah that's my a side story about Nate Weber. <laughs> no, so if, uh, if, if any of those uh, young aspirees are out there listening, like do something cool with your career, like don't, <laughs> don't just be cannon fodder. You get yeah. road hard, put away wet. You get, you know, it's just, <laughs> it's just find something cool to do. Like, I will say like, um, to, to second that I, I mean, I've done a lot of cool things with my army career. Um, I've done a lot in terms of like volunteering with recruiting, particularly for any, um, like females looking to join any branch. I've done a lot with the junior ROTC programs and speaking to those programs. And, um, oh man, what was I going to say? With, oh, do something cool with your career. Yeah. I, I have taken advantage of things like, I, uh, I got my master's degree paid for. I started a second master's degree, like anything that you can do to use the military to help you with your life. Like you really need to do that and take advantage of it. Like, because you are serving and you're giving your time and just like the things that are available to you, you should really try and take advantage of whether you're still in, or even when you're out, you know, make sure that you make use of the resources that are available to you. Yeah, for sure. Um, because, uh, no matter 
how great or wonderful the military is, eventually it will come to an end. Mm-hmm. And whether you be 22 or 42, when you get out, you still got a, a whole lifetime ahead of you, yeah, which uh, particularly, uh, you know, if, uh, if you, if you don't have the ability to, to, to go into something cool for one reason or another, um, at least be able to set up other things for yourself for when you get out, which is you know, just kind of funny how you know people will get judgmental about various careers. And I'm just like, dude, like I'd sold my body to the government for 12 years, you know, yeah. like they, they ha- trust me, they had their way with me. Like, yeah. At least, you know, the, the dudes on only fans got, get paid. I mean, <laughs> a lot more people saw my butthole for a lot less in the military <laughs> than most of my friends who have only fans. So it's just like, are you talking about men, males yeah, yeah. with only fans? Oh, yeah. wow. Oh my gosh. I mean, I, I clearly, hey, I know. It is, like, it is 2021, Megan. Okay. I know. Men I know. Only fans I, too. I didn't think that they couldn't, but <laughs> are you talking about military men? Or yeah. Former? That's yeah. hysterical. Oh my God. That's See, this riot. is the exact mindset why my Florida veteran meme uh, went so viral. Like people still have like just like the audacity to think that like <laughs> men could also be uh, successful in that avenue. Well, I don't know. I just think like just shocked uh, and appalled. You know, um, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. You're like, shocked, why would I'm I pay shocked. for an OnlyFans when I can go on Tinder and have 50 dudes send me pics of their butthole for free? Oh yikes! I uh, <laughs> don't want that. <laughs> For anyone out there, I'm actually not on dating apps, but if you see me, I don't want your unsolicited butthole pic. <laughs> no, unsolicited, yes. That's uh, uh that's the high line in the sand, which <laughs> yeah, we, we strongly advise against that. <laughs> but so to to the point though, like uh you gotta find a goal, you gotta march towards it because uh the military will have you so worried about putting out all these little inconsequential fires. At the end of the day, you'll just look around and be like, you know, where did all the time go? Um, you know, you obviously got to do your job and succeed and stuff. But at the end of the day, start putting a couple irons in the fire for other things. Mm-hmm. So whether, you know, you you retire or you get out early, like, you, you know, you, you got something for yourself. For sure. So um, where we can we find you on social media? I am at the Savage Maglet on uh, all social media channels <laughs> right on and uh we uh we also asked that um if, uh, if you wouldn't mind uh check out her social media channel she's uh doing the fundraising for the uh the cost incurred with um in representing your country obviously there is um you know a stipend and considerations that do come from the military but there are oftentimes a lot of unforeseen expenses for sure yeah there's yeah. a, a lot with, uh, with travel. I mean, we're traveling on the road for six months out of the year. So there's a lot that, that goes into that, but, um, yeah, thanks for the shout out. I appreciate that a lot. For sure. We, uh, we appreciate you taking the time. Um, wish you all the best of luck in the, uh, the upcoming, um, uh, trials and tribulations that you will seek. And, you know, hopefully, um, you know, we'll, we'll get to see, uh, standing on at a podium sometime, uh, in 2022. For sure. Thank you. Well, fair winds and following seas, and we'll see you next time here in the smoke pit.